0: Shadows Embrace, the podcast where we explore the dark and mysterious world of the occult and all things spooky. I'm Paul and I'm joined by my co-host Rachel, and together we'll be delving into the unknown, the supernatural, and the macabre. Whether it's discussing ancient rituals, haunted locations, or the latest horror movies, we're here to satisfy your thirst for all things creepy and unsettling. So sit back, turn down the lights, and prepare to embrace the shadows. Do you have a scary joke for me today?
1: Uh, no, I could find one for you.
0: <laughs> That's just usually how you start. If you don't have one, you don't have to. Because I guess we should say at some point, hey, welcome to Shadows Embrace. I'm Paul. And I'm Rachel. <laughs> and we are professionals. We're
1: really good at this. I, I know that all eight of our listeners love the shenanigans that goes on.
0: Listen, everybody started with eight. You think that My Favorite Murder Ladies started with millions? Probably. 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 Georgia was like a host on Food Network, and Karen was a successful writer and comedian, so probably.
1: Oh, man. Here's some really bad ones. Why oh, was yes. the fart scary?
0: I don't know why.
1: <laughs> because the sound came from the morgue.
0: okay so when i taught middle school orchestra um my kids were doing really well and they were like all practicing improving we would do scary story wednesdays and so they'd have to bring to me their scary story in advance so i'd make sure it was like middle school appropriate Mm -hmm. um but one year I had this kid who told his scariest story he's ever written called The Fart That Killed Everyone. And I should have not allowed it, but it was so stinking funny that I allowed it. <laughs> That's fantastic. All right, I've got
1: one more. What's okay. comforting and scary at the same time?
0: Oh, you know what? My wife, when she's really mad and starts yelling, which is very rare, but, like, I grew up in a yelling household, so it accidentally triggers the, like, comfort response of nostalgia, but it's real scary to make her that mad.
1: Uh, No, it's a warm toilet seat.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I will always think of that. Drawing that's like what it feels like to sit on a warm toilet seat, and it's like a person sitting on the toilet, and then reflected underneath is a different person sitting. So it's like your asses are touching. So, uh, yeah, you're welcome. If I have you. to have that thought, you do too. Uh,
1: on a side note, uh, doing these recordings has made me uh, painfully aware of the slight lisp that I have when I speak in certain, like when I use certain words. I can and I'm beginning to hear myself um, with that, and that's never something I've never noticed in myself before. And there it is. Yeah.
0: I had that same terrible realization when I was editing lifetime sentence, um, that I have just enough of an underbite that I like hiss all of my s's. Yep.
1: I don't know how to fix that.
0: I think braces or elocution class or just cut your tongue out
1: i don't even have a car (laughs) how am i supposed to afford those glasses
0: oh that's all i went with cutting your tongue out that was affordable (laughs) (laughs)
1: anyways (laughs)
0: um well do you want do you want to get down and dirty with um a haunted abandoned ghost town
1: of course that sounds amazing
0: i thought you might um so I will give props to, Oh, my knee just popped. Did you hear that?
1: No, but I saw the pain on your oh, face.
0: Good. Um, so I want to give a shout out at the top to conspiracy theories podcast. Um, cause they're the ones they covered this not too long ago. It's, um, a ta- a place called Dudley town. And I'd never heard of it until I heard this podcast. And so just to throw that out there, um, but in today's episode, we're taking a deep dive into one of New England's most enduring legends called Dudley Town.
1: It's always New England.
0: Always. It's because it's so old. We Like in the grand scheme of America, not in the grand scheme of the world. Yeah. Um, But to understand this story, we first need to go back, and I mean like way back to the 16th century, in England, and a man named Edmund Dudley. So... Edmund served as a financial advisor to King Henry VII, which was a position fraught with controversy, um, kind of like tax collectors in the Bible. Okay. Being the financial advisor to the king usually meant that you were a pretty corrupt person. And, Nothing's changed. Um, right. As such, <sighs> his practices were often seen as unscrupulous and often led to public dissent. So, following King Henry VII's death, it came as no surprise that Edmund was charged as charged for treason and executed in 1510. <laughs> and many believe that this began the Dudley curse that endured for generations.
1: A Dudley curse.
0: Yes, and everyone loves a good generational curse. Stanley Yellnuts. That's exactly what I was about to say. (laughs) Um, So the Dudley family's misfortunes only began there. John Dudley, who was the Duke of Northumberland. And yes, I did practice that. um, He was a descendant of Edmund. He later attempted to alter the course of the English monarchy by placing Lady Jane Grey on the throne. He was just like, "Hey, I know that someone else is the heir apparent, but we're gonna pretend like it's Old Lady Gray, Earl Gray." Um, yep. And the, this endeavor failed, leading to his execution in 1553. Plot twist. And, right. So it's like, listen, if you're going to have like a family tradition, probably don't make it execution <laughs> related to the monarchy. Let's let's take up watercolor.
1: Oh. What What's your family known for? Uh, you know, conspiracy against the government and ex-
0: executions being executed. They're like, we are V for a Vendetta. <laughs> so. Um, these events painted a picture of a family seemingly beset by political turmoil and tragedy seeking a fresh start which we would all want that after we have watched everybody just like hang to death and you know that hangings were like a public thing people would come and picnic at a hanging so it's like not only did you have to watch your family die but like everyone watched your family die like it was the real housewives of the court you know
1: let's go Charlene it's time for the town hanging
0: (laughs) you and I would be front row let's be honest (laughs) yep Uh, saved you a seat saved you a seat over here here I am. I brought the popcorn. <laughs> Did you bring the popcorn? <laughs> <laughs> so needing a fresh start, they, the Dudley family immigrated to the American colonies and eventually settled in what is Cornwall, Connecticut in the 1740s. Here they founded a community came to, that came to be known as Dudley Town.
1: Oh, very uh, creative.
0: Right. Listen, I want to go live in a place and call it Paulsville and just... I would live in Paulsville. Listen, you d- don't, don't. We have terrible public services. I want to be the mayor of Paulstown, Paulsville. Absolutely. You can have it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what you... I don't know if this will, like, please you to know or worry you to know, but crossing an ocean into a new country does not rid you of a familial curse, come to find out.
1: Okay, good to know, writing this down.
0: Right, just for future reference, after you steal a pig, let your family know. <laughs> um Dudley town from its inception seemed to be marred by a series of inexplicable and unfortunate events echoing the family's troubled past in England. What if the next thing I told you was like, they tried to make someone else the president and they were, (laughs) (laughs) they're like, George Washington is out. Let's bring back the, just the dead remains of lady Jane gray.
1: Jane gray. She's our lady.
0: I'm waiting for the second part of this.
1: I panicked and that was it. If she can't do it, she's dead. <laughs>
0: Perfect. <laughs> That's oddly enough. That was also your campaign speech to be the mayor of Paulsville. It was. Yeah, I ran a, <laughs>
1: unopposed too, but I still had a campaign.
0: <laughs> so, in its early years, Dudley Town seemed to mirror any typical colonial situation. The settlers, including the Dudleys, engaged in agriculture and community building and it really looked like a promising start however the community soon faced a series of adversities mm, as they do as they do and we know with hindsight being 2020 20, and like from a place of understanding that the crop failures the unexplained illnesses and the untimely deaths that plagued the settlement were just pretty typical for like colonies hey. like um Apparently that's what happens when you come and you kick people out of their native land. Like, I think, I think God kills you. I think that's what (laughs) what it comes down to. Shame, shame, um, shame. These events seemingly random drew parallels to the misfortunes that the Dudley family had experienced in England, which fueled the speculation about a lingering curse. Uh. The series of tragedies that unfolded in Dudleytown contributed to its gradual decline, and by the earliest, by the earliest, I was like, "Wow, trying to think like... are you
1: from that time period? <laughs> Did you go back in time and you've got a first-hand account of this now?"
0: I only speak in King James Bible. <laughs> By the early 20th century, the once thriving settlement had become a ghost town. Its remnants, a testament to a troubled past. So I'm going to start with the legends of Dudley Town. The legends of Dudley Town are numerous, each more intriguing and mysterious than the last. They paint a picture of a place where the line between reality and the supernatural seems to blur. So, um, delving into some of these tales and examining their origins, we can see the impact that they've had on the like long lasting legend that is Dudley town. And we're from the South. So we probably will have never heard of it because especially growing up in Texas, you only hear about things in Texas, nowhere else exists. Mm-hmm. Right. True. But Louisiana is a little bit that way too. Um, but as far as like when you get up to, New England, from what I understand, and there have been several books written about Dudley Town, this is actually a pretty enduring legend that lots of people know. It's just my own ignorance that we're surrounded. In Louisiana, we were surrounded by plantations that were so haunted we couldn't get out of that, much less learn about someone else's haunting.
1: Yeah. You you put um, a real southern twang on that. That was that, I know. Listen, uh, I was on
0: the phone with my family a lot today. I love it. Good news. Did you see my text?
1: Yes. Yes, I did. That was... Yeah. I said I replied back, a Christmas miracle.
0: Oh, yeah. I haven't checked because I sent that and then came in like my computer needed to download updates. And Ah. I was like, let's do that before time to meet Rachel.
1: That's okay. Ten minutes before this, I was like, I need to get my internet fixed and set up.
0: (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Um, So one of the most enduring tales is that of the dudley town curse because apparently if you transition over the ocean not only does it come with you it's just gonna like haunt everybody you want to take every down with you
1: oh man, take
0: every down everything down down with you just take it all down (laughs) it is said that the misfortunes in dudley town were the result of the curse that followed the family from england this curse believed to, apparently i wanted to just I think I wrote this part before I wrote the introduction because I was about to recount everything I just told you. (laughs) Also, I wrote these notes before I had COVID. So it's been almost a month and I'm just now like looking at them for the first time. It's a surprise to me, whatever I'm going to say next.
1: Uh, I love it. It's, it's been great
0: so far. Um, so yes, they believe that the curse came and kind of settled on the land and they really do blame everything originating with edmund dudley and that that execution brought tragedy and despair to anyone who lived on or near the land which now we know about the transitive property of curses Wow! they did not teach that in math
1: i didn't realize that it transformed into the land
0: another legend revolves around the mysterious disappearances and unexplained deaths that occurred in dudley town Accounts from the 19th century describe families being torn apart by sudden and tragic events. One such tale speaks of a woman who, driven to madness, disappeared in the woods and was never seen again.
1: That's just a regular woman.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was probably her time of the month she needed to get away. That's all the men are like. You know, women.
1: Oh, oh, women. She's probably
0: like, I'm... I'm tired of this, Grandpa. <laughs> I like I like that she's in Connecticut, so she sounds like she's straight up from East Texas. <laughs> I love that I've made two holes references so far. <laughs> um, it's also been reported that during the town's decline, strange sightings and phenomena were observed. Witnesses claimed to see ghostly apparitions, naturally, obviously, hear unexplained noises. Okay. And experience a general feeling of unease. They just took notes from every episode of ghost adventures. And they're like, yeah, these are what we feel too.
1: That just sounds like anxiety. (laughs)
0: Right. (laughs) Or like maybe with all the crops dying and women running into the woods, I would also hear things and feel a sense of unease. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Or maybe, I don't know. There's like some powerful earth
0: component. Or maybe it's my great great pig stealing grandfather. Oh, what pig stealing granddad. Um, so these reports contributed to the belief that Dudley Town was haunted, a place where the spirits of the past lingered. Another intriguing aspect of Dudley Town's legend is the so called Black Aggie. All right. Who is a mysterious figure said to roam the woods. I wonder if it's that woman who ran away. Was her name Agatha? Right? And her hair's just unruly <laughs> and out of control now. According to some accounts, this entity was responsible for scaring off animals and casting a sense of dread over the area. So she's just out in the woods like, get out here. you yo, get out. <laughs> I love how country this episode is. <laughs> For, I for can do New one England, and it's my mom's.
1: I don't know how to do New England,
0: y'all. Y'all get off my mom, get out of here. What are you doing? <laughs> That's it. Everyone in New England's just old. Yeah. <laughs> in addition to these tales, there are stories of visitors experiencing disorientation and a sense of being watched. Hikers and thrill seekers who venture into the area often report a sudden drop in temperature and a feeling of being followed which further fueled the town's eerie reputation. So if I told you now that this place was so haunted, two of the largest figures in creepy history would appear. Who is entering the chat?
1: Uh, Zach Baggins. And? Um, Chris Angel.
0: That's exactly right. No, Ed and <laughs> Lorraine Warren. That
1: was my, that was my next guess
0: however i want like a buddy cop film that is zach bagans and chris angel <laughs> going to this place now they're
1: just Let's both trying to mystify each other
0: <laughs> zach bagans has that recorder and he's like can you hear it say fuck you and she's just like
1: <laughs> chris angel's like trying to live chris angel
0: disappears and becomes black aggie <laughs> so let's shift our focus now to two figures who are well known in the world of paranormal investigation ed and lorraine warren their involvement with dudley town adds yet another layer to the already rich tapestry of this ghost town's lore (laughs) i just wrote d and lorraine so apparently we're on a first letter basis but it's not even a first letter it's a second letter basis (laughs)
1: I didn't realize. Ed oh, Big a, D and Lorraine. <laughs> Ed needed another
0: nickname. <laughs> Little D. Ed was too long. I just couldn't do it. Ed and Lorraine Warren, renowned for their investigations into paranormal activities, took an interest in Dudleytown during the latter part of the 20th century. The Warrens, particularly Lorraine, who I don't know if you know this about her, I'm sure you do, but she was a self professed clairvoyant and medium.
1: Yeah, I feel like she did most of the legwork like, for that uh, partnership.
0: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, she was intrigued by the reports of the unexplained occurrences and alleged hauntings in the area. And their visit to Dudleytown was part of a broader investigation into areas reported to have paranormal activities the Warrens sought to document and understand the nature of the occurrences that had been reported by visitors and former residents of the area. According to accounts of their investigation, the Warrens experienced what they believed to be supernatural phenomena. Lorraine reportedly sensed a malevolent presence in the area, a feeling that was often described by those who ventured into Dudley Town, The couple also claimed to have encountered unexplained cold spots, which again was a common occurrence in locations and larger is a common occurrence in haunted locations as we talked about last month. So Ed Warren, who was known for his work as a demonologist, theorized that the land itself might be imbued with negative energy. Oh,
1: the words that comes out of little bee's mouth. (laughs)
0: Possibly, this was due to its history and the alleged curse of the Dudley family. This theory aligned with the couple's belief in the impact of historical events on present day paranormal occurrences. The Warrens' involvement brought Dudley Town to the attention of a much wider audience, particularly those interested in the paranormal. Their findings, although clearly not scientifically substantiated, contributed to the lore of Dudley Town. Intertwining their reputation as paranormal investigators with the legend of the ghost town. However, Um, oh, I see your face. Yes, Yes.
1: I was waiting for the however.
0: Okay, with the Warrens comes a lot of issues to consider. Uh They were problematic at best and frauds at worst, or somewhere in between, wherever you want to land. Con artists. And this is not even withstanding the, I don't even know if it's, if we say rumors, the alleged relationship, because I'm pretty sure it was a professed relationship, but he had like a, a relationship with a much younger woman who lived with them, who I believe moved in while she was a minor. And that is like covered up, but that's wild. So in 2017, a woman claimed, and her, she's named in the Ed and Lorraine Warren Wikipedia page, but a woman claimed that she had a 40-year sexual relationship with Ed starting when she was 15.
1: Ew.
0: That Lorraine knew about. Yeah. What in so like,
1: Alabama hell?
0: Being, being an abuser of children aside... Mm they were problematic before like without even knowing that right, but just right, to right. throw that in there um so one day i do intend to cover the warrens on this podcast so i'll save like my in-depth criticism but here's a quick rundown of the reasons why people are and should be skeptical of their findings especially in relation to dudley town so first there is skepticism within the scientific community and there always will be when it comes to paranormal investigation but The Warrens' methods and findings have often been questioned by the scientific community as their investigations lacked the rigorous empirical approach that is standard in scientific research. Their reliance on personal experience and anecdotal evidence has been a point of contention for lots of people. Also, the media and publicity aspect... Their cases have often been the subjects of books, movies, and documentaries, leading some to argue that the sensational nature of these stories may have been amplified for entertainment purposes. This includes famous cases like the Amityville Horror and the Annabelle Doll, which have been adapted into films. Um, And Lorraine Warren, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but um, I do recall one time that she was asked something about the Aren't you just trying to get, aren't you just trying to sell the rights to this story? And she kind of coyly said, of course not. My agent is doing that. (laughs) So then there are just the outspoken critics and often debunkers of the Warrens. So several critics and paranormal debunkers have directly challenged some of the Warrens' claims. For instance, in the case of the Amityville Horror, some inconsistencies in the story were pointed out by skeptics, suggesting exaggeration or fabrication.
1: Uh, Yeah, Um, here's my shocked
0: Pikachu face. (laughs) Right. Along with all this is the lack of verifiable evidence. A common critique is that there's no evidence to support many of the Warrens' claims. Much of their work is based on personal testimonies and psychic impressions, which I know we're all shocked to know are inherently difficult to verify. Um, but really like at least when Zach Bagans lies to us, he has a camera in front of him and we see Mm -hmm. him faking in real time. But the Warrens were just like, these are my field notes from a place that I definitely visited. And all three ghosts, Christmas past, present and future were there with a fruitcake for me. It happened. You're just going to have to take my word for it. Right. Um, and then there've actually been several contradictions and inconsistencies of in the things they say. Um, and these have been highlighted by skeptics as potentially undermining their credibility. Now, on the other side, there are those who defend the Warrens, citing their long career as a paranormal investigators and their sincere belief in their work. Some people who have worked with the Warrens and have been involved in their cases attest to their authenticity. Um, but... If I was getting paid, I
1: would agree to. Yeah. You can pay me and I will say whatever you want me to say. And right. for the don't right hire price. Don't hire me to, yeah, I'll don't say don't hire me to be an expert
0: witness in a courtroom because like, I will go to the highest bidder. I have few scruples, <laughs> but that's not where one is. Like, So that being said, all of this about the Warrens, it's crucial to address a pivotal turning point in the story of this ghost town the introduction of the curse narrative was only prominently associated with the town following the involvement of the Warrens. Before the Warrens' exploration in the deadly town, the l- tales and legends surrounding the area were largely a mix of like local folklore and historical anecdotes. However, it was with the Warren's investigation and subsequent media attention that the concept of the specific Dudley curse affecting the family and the town itself gained widespread attention.
1: How many years before we get a Dudley town movie?
0: Um, I hope that I get to be Black Aggie. <laughs> I just want to scream in the woods and chase away sheep.
1: Run around
0: <laughs> barefoot screaming. It's important to note that much of what is popularly known about Dudley Town today can be traced back to the Warren's book and their public discussions of the case. Their narrative framed Dudley Town not just as a place with a series of unfortunate events and local lore, but as a location of suffering and with a tangible, malevolent curse. Is
1: are we sure this is just the series the book series Lemony Snickets? <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> So this framing significantly influenced the public's perception of, of Dudley Town. The stories and legends were no longer just local tales, but were now part of a larger, more sensational narrative. The Warrens' portrayal of Dudley Town as a cursed place has since been a primary reference point for many discussions, books, and even documentaries about the area. And like I said, this is a pretty popular... Uh, myth, like lore of the area. So there are several books and I will include a list of reading that talks about Dudley Town in our show notes because it was much more extensive than I expected it to be.
1: Huh, interesting.
0: Yeah, but most of them refer back to Ed and Lorraine Warren. Oh. Um. Um, and it was Ed and Lorraine who sewed together the threads of this curse dating all the way back from the financial advisor to the king, Edmund. um, And there's not even a way to verify. Yes. Is it
1: possible that they just made it up? Or is that what you were getting
0: to? Well, so that's, here's the thing. There wasn't a a financial advisor to the king named Edmund Dudley, who was, who was, I almost said murdered. He was not, he was executed. (laughs) There was a relative of his who was executed in a ploy to or in a plot to put Lady Jane Gray on the throne. Yeah, usurp authority. And the the settlers of Dudley Town were named Dudley and had roots back in England, but there's no way to verify that they are the same family line because it's not like Dudley is an uncommon name. Right. Um and, like, it seems like a very distant relative. But then, um, and the Conspiracy Theories podcast goes more in-depth on the things that the Warrens potentially made up. But they, like, made up deaths and dates that don't correlate... They allegedly made up deaths and dates that don't correlate with any verifiable, documented, like, historical record. And so it seems... To the skeptic's eye, and I actually do approach lots of things as a skeptic, that they um, conveniently found information to make their story plausible and to create a narrative that does not exist when following historical record. So all of this about the Warrens has to raise questions about the historical accuracy and shaping of the narrative. How much of what we know about Dudley Town is based on documented fact and how much has been influenced or even outright altered by the lens through which the Warrens and others have viewed it. This then made me think about as we delve into historical mysteries like Dudley Town, the line between fact and folklore often becomes blurred. The story of Dudley Town serves as a reminder of the power of narrative and how it can shape our understanding of history and legend. In the case of Dudley Town, the cursed narrative introduced by the Warrens and perpetuated through various media has undoubtedly played a significant role in the town's mystique, but it also underscores the need for a critical examination of sources and a cautious approach to separating folklore from historical fact. As I sorted through all of this and wanted to know more about Dudley Town, which is like, so it is a place that is still standing as a ghost town that's been abandoned. And legend says, I don't know if they're still there or if they were ever there, but there were like signs talking about how haunted the place was and like traveler beware, turn around. Um, And then it's just an outright abandoned place. So um, what we're left with is a blend of tales, a mixture of history and myth, all contributing to this enduring enigma of Dudley town. It's a reminder of the allure of the unknown and the stories we craft to explain it. Na, 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 na. I feel like we need really good like nineties TV show closing, like um The Unsolved Midnight Mysteries? Society. Oh Ooh, or unso I like that. Um And then just a list of books that I mentioned or that I used, and then also I will drop these in our show notes. But um the Demonologist, The Extraordinary Career of Ed and Lorraine Warren by Gerald B- Brittle. Ghosts of Connecticut, The Haunted Locations of Bristol, New Britain, Waterbury, and Wallingford by Jeffrey Fisher has a whole chapter on Dudley Town. Um, the World's Most Haunted Places by Jeff Bellinger also has a, a whole feature on Dudley Town. So, again, places that are like featured. This is a place that's featured in some, like in lots of media, but a lot of it points back to the Warrens, of course. And then, as I mentioned, the Conspiracy Theories podcast about Dudley Town. Um, and then I couldn't get my hands on this book, but I hope to because there's a book called The True Story of the Quiet Zone Unraveling the Mystery of a Town Suspended in Silence by Stephen G. Bloom. And it is about Dudley Town itself. Oh, but that title, like a town suspended in silence, yeah. seems like seems like there should be more to this story than um, some attention hungry people made up a curse.
1: Right? Made up a. Uh, let's let's pick these two people who are related and died.
0: They, they have, have, a have curse the same now.
1: last name. To be fair, the curse is kind of lame too. Like oh, right you wanted uh you know you were part of a conspiracy to overthrow the government like you didn't carry a pig up a mountain
0: right it sounds like your curse might in fact just be being shitty people yeah and like i'm as anti-government as the next guy but like let's go about it in a way that either we don't get caught or we don't get executed maybe just bitch about them on twitter x i refuse to i will dead name twitter and nothing else (laughs) (laughs) um you know but like at the time you could just have gone like martin luther and just nail a bunch of complaints to the wall about the monarchy don't get yourself killed just throw
1: tea into the boston harbor
0: listen do you know how delicious If all of my friends had gotten together to throw tea in the harbor, do you know I would have come out running with some, like, granulated sugar and just made myself sweet tea for, like, no one else is welcome. The tea's ready. (laughs) (laughs) That's why why New England is haunted, because they threw out all that tea and the whole world is pissed because we could have had a really good tea party. We could have all worn our best hats.
1: Now I want a, a Sunday hat.
0: Um, I'm to get dream, one to
1: wear for our next episode.
0: Yes. My dream, and this is how I can tell that I am approaching 40 just at high speed, is to one day have a Kentucky Derby party where everyone comes over in their derby clothes and their fun hats. Um, but now I've moved to a place where I know nobody, so who am I going to invite?
1: Uh, everybody. That's how you meet new people. <laughs> That's how you make I friends. I will go...
0: I'll go Martin Luther. I'll just start nailing invites to random doors. Just
1: <laughs> start handing them out at the library.
0: It's the only place I go. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I guess I don't have anything else to add. Do you? Uh,
1: I do not.
0: All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. If you want to email us, give us some suggestions. Um, and by that, I mean, suggestions of topics to cover. We are not actually open to criticism. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, you can email us at podcast, right? You can email us at podcast at at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at shadows embrace podcast. Right. I, I got went, my life together. Oh my I God. wrote it on a sticky note you on a big sticky note. Um, and I will get, I'm going to work on getting us like a link tree set up in our Instagram bio so that when I get our TikTok going, it will be linked there. Um, and maybe if we go wild and get a website, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. Um, (laughs) but I, It's new year, new me. In 2024, I will either be unstable or unstoppable. I'm not sure which, but either way. Maybe a little of both. We will benefit. But until next time, stay spooky. I feel like I need a good sign off. (laughs) Hey.
1: And that's the way the cookie crumbled.
0: I that's gonna be our first merch. Stay spooky, and that's the way that Cookie (laughs) (laughs) crumbled.